So we're going to read Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. They went across the lake to the regions of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stone. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us out among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Let's pray and then we'll get into this. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you are good. We praise you that we have seen that again and again in the book of Mark. We've seen that there is no other name in heaven which we can be saved and we celebrate that. Lord, we pray that now as you speak to us, as you challenge us through your word, that we would be different people that we would be changed by who you are and what you've done. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is it that makes a good superhero? You, you picked your favorite superhero before, but now the question is, what is it that makes a good superhero? I don't know what your favorite superhero was or is, but this is my favorite superhero. His name is Groot. Now, now the thing is, what makes a good superhero is not their costume, it's not their name, it's not their power. What makes a good superhero is actually their ability to save the day. That's true. It's actually their ability to save the day. And that's why Groot, go back Lockie, that's why Groot is my favorite superhero. Because Groot isn't dressed that well. In fact, here he's just a little baby Groot. Uh, he doesn't have that good a costume. His superpowers aren't that great either. I mean, he just grows his branches and it's like hands. His speech isn't that good. All he can say are the words, I am Groot. 
His powers aren't that good. Ultimately, he's not that impressive. But the thing that makes Groot so good is that he knows how to save the day. I'm not going to spoil the movies for you if you haven't seen them yet. But Groot always saves the day. There is a big problem with superheroes, though. And that is, are you ready for this? It's about to blow your mind. They're not real. Superheroes aren't real, which means and creates a problem for us because if we ever find ourselves in the situation where we need saving, unfortunately, we can't turn to this guy, can't turn to Groot, we can't turn to Batman or Superman or Spider-Man or whatever other man you like. The only, well, we can't turn to superheroes, so we've got to figure out where else we're going to turn. All right, Lockie, let's get off Groot. We've got to ask that question, where can we turn when we find ourselves in the situations where we need saving, in the situations where we find ourselves in trouble? Because we can't turn to superheroes. Now, in our Bibles today, what we're going to actually see is we're going to see this eyewitness account. We're going to see an eyewitness account of people who saw something happen. Real people, lots of people, and we get the real record of it. And what we see in this account is that Mark is showing us that we can actually turn when we're stuck, when we need saving, that we can turn to Jesus. He's not some superhero with some fake powers, but rather he's real. And we see that in this story from chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles there, or it'll be on the screen as well. Mark shows us this. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one, no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Where do we turn when we find ourselves in a problem, when we're stuck, when we need saving? Well, here Mark wants to show us we can turn to Jesus. But first we see this problem. In the first couple of verses, the scene is set. We get the scene set for us. Jesus gets across the Sea of Galilee. He's just calmed the storm, remember? He gets across the sea, and as he lands on the shore, this strong man meets him there. And he really is strong. No one can bind him. No one can stop him. Um, even if the whole town works together, this guy is too big. He's too strong. Even if the town works together and some of them tackle around the legs and the rest of them get on top and pin his arms down, it doesn't work. He's too strong. The chains, he breaks free. The chains around his legs break free. He's, he's pretty strong. And really what that means for us is he's a little bit scary as well. He's strong and he's scary. And the reason he is is because he's got a demon in him. Right? This is the strongest guy we've ever seen. He's caused the whole town problem. Now, our problems. Now, our question is, what's it going to look like when Jesus confronts him? Right? It's their strongest versus our strongest. What's this showdown going to look like? This is going to be the greatest fight in history, right? This is going to be way bigger than Mayweather versus McGregor. It's going to be way bigger than the Broncos versus the Cowboys. This has to be the biggest showdown in history. Jesus, our guy, our strong guy versus their strong guy. What's it going to look like? Well, if we were hoping for a fight, unfortunately, we're going to be completely let down because as this demon guy comes to Jesus, it's a complete no-show. That's what we see from verse 6. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For, for Jesus had said, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, For we are many. 
And then verse 10, and he begged Jesus. He begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. The biggest fight in history. What does it look like? This man begs Jesus, falls at his feet and begs him again and again, please, Jesus, please don't send us out of the area. You can almost hear the whimper in his voice. This is not a fight. This is not a big thing. Demons are strong, but Jesus is stronger. I mean, it's overwhelmingly clear in this passage. His, the demon's power is consumed by Jesus' power. It's a no-show. There's not a fight at all. He falls at Jesus' feet and he begs him, don't send us out of the area. So we can see Jesus' power, right? He is powerful. Demons are strong, but Jesus is stronger. Jesus is stronger. He has the power to save. He does this. But what we see in this passage isn't simply Jesus' power. We also see something else amazing happen in this, pa- in this passage. See, I-, I don't know when the last time you watched a superhero movie was, but there's two groups of people. There's the good guys and the bad guys. We love the good guys and we hate the bad guys, right? They're mean, they're nasty. We want the good guys to beat the bad guys. That's the way that it works. Now, I remember when I was a kid growing up and hearing this story, and I think, okay, it's pretty clear. We've got the good guys, Jesus, and the bad guys, this strong, demon-possessed man. But as we see this passage, what we actually find is that Jesus' power isn't simply, he's not just simply strong, but actually as we recognize and as we read this passage, what we see is that Jesus uses his power for the good of his people. Jesus uses his power here to turn this bad guy into a good guy. This is not some normal superhero movie. He changes the game here, right? Because as we see, he comes into this place and he doesn't just deal with demons, he also deals with this man. Now, when you hear this man's story, I think you've got to feel for him. I don't think we can be angry at this man. If we start to see his story, we recognize that his life is actually hard. He lives by himself. He is tortured. He is in pain, in agony. He lives in tombs. He doesn't see people. And when he does, it's because they want to chain him up. This is this man's life. He is in the deepest darkness. Now, in this place, the Gerasenes, this was a place that you wouldn't go to. You just wouldn't go there. Uh, And the people there you wouldn't associate with, and the jobs they worked, they were despised jobs. So this demon-possessed man, he is the outcast to the outcasts. He's the outsider to the outsiders. That's who he is. And yet, as Jesus comes into this place, as Jesus enters this place, he shows his power over the demons, but he also shows his power to save someone you would never expect him to save. We would never expect him to save this guy. And yet, this is what Jesus does. And this is the story of the Bible. The story of the whole Bible centers around Jesus. The message of the Bible is that Jesus saves people we would never expect. Now, it's not just the outcasts of outcasts. It's not just the outsider of outsiders. It's not just people in jail. This is us. See, our sin makes us the people we wouldn't expect. Our sin, the bad things we do and the good things we don't do, whether we think them or speak them or act them, that makes us the outsider. God shouldn't save us from this. In fact, God should give us what we deserve, death. But instead... Jesus enters into the world. We've seen this time and time again in Mark. Shows he cares. He enters into the world and he loves people you wouldn't expect. He loves us. 
He goes to the cross, and as he goes to the cross, he defeats demons. He defeats sin, and he defeats death. And as we trust in him, this power becomes ours. This power is ours. We get this power. We now have power over demons and sin and death in Jesus' name. This is the story of the Bible. Jesus saves people you wouldn't expect. Now, as we see this, as this man sees Jesus, as he's saved by Jesus, we see his response. He does two things. He follows Jesus, and he tells people about him. It's pretty simple. Follows Jesus, and he tells people about him. And as we think about it too, if we trust in Jesus, those responses are ours as well. We follow him. We want to live for him. We listen to him, and we tell people. Tell people about the good news about how Jesus has saved people like me, like us, that we wouldn't expect. It's good news. It's the message of the Bible. There is no other name that can be saved. Hey, let's pray and celebrate all that God has done for us. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We praise you that Jesus came into the world to save people like us, people you wouldn't expect, people that didn't deserve it. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to do these two things, that you would help us to follow you, to listen to you, to grow in our relationship with you. And we pray that you would help us to tell others about the mercy that you have shown us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.